Craft Beer Radio, episode 39, May 11th, 2006. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, the show for craft beer and the craft brewing industry. This is Jeff Bear. And I'm Greg Weiss. And tonight we are going to be doing a style that's a little bit different from what you're used to. And we figure we should take a look at them, and that is the Light American Lager. Craft brewed, hopefully. Yes. Light American Lager. Um, yes, yeah, so we got several like Sam Adams and Leinenkugels and a couple higher quality imports, and we're just going to see if they're any good, if they're mm-hmm. worth drinking. So that's what we're doing tonight, and this is not an extreme beer show, so you don't have to turn it off. We're taking this one seriously. Yes. In business, we have a need for upcoming styles. We're taking suggestions and donations and all the other stuff, uh, donations of beer. We had listeners suggest uh, Berliner Weiss, which is a style we would love to do, but they're a little hard to get a hold of. Right. I've never had a Berliner Weiss. They're a sour beer. Uh-huh. They have a lot of lactic acid in it. Mm. And, uh, Sounds I'd, great already. <laughs> I'd love to try them. And a guy said, you guys should do Berliner Weissens. I'm like, if I've okay. ever seen one on the shelf, <laughs> <laughs> I definitely would have it. But And, and there might be you know some obscure yeah. brand that I don't recognize that D's on the shelf. And I'll have to look into that, but yeah, there's not very many around. Next piece of business, Craft Beer Radio is in the singles section on Craigslist. In the Pittsburgh area. Pittsburgh in the Misconnections. A female was writing, any Craft Beer Radio fans out there? Anybody know where I can get a copy of a podcast? Missing my connection with a fellow fan. So if you're the fellow fan that um, met a nice Craft Beer Radio lady, you should check out the link on our website and hook up with her. And, of course, you can always download our shows at craftbeerradio.com. Right. That's where you can download the episodes. I'm working on a beer and cheese tasting. So if any of you listeners in the area are interested, send me an email and let me know. We're going to have it listeners and also just beer geeks who aren't listeners. You know, we're going to put up some flyers. It's going to be at the Pittsburgh Bottle Shop Cafe. Is it going to be on the air? No. It's going to be an off-air thing. Because, you know, that little... That'll be... No, it's going to be just a... It's craft beer radio. It's me expanding, you know, my my beer advocacy, if you will. You just want to pair up some beers and some cheeses and, and go from there. Have a little sem- tasting seminar. I see. It's also about time to have the first Beer Geek Roundtable. This is an idea that we came up with after the multi-brew tasting. We had so much fun in the post show talking on Skype with other beer drinkers right. that we thought we should have a regular, like quarterly or something, Beer Geek Roundtable. So I'm going to start putting that together. If you're interested, email me to register. That's beer at craftbeerradio.com, and I'll put you on the list. Um, this is going to be through Skype, so you need to be able to use Skype on your computer and a microphone and all that stuff. We're not going to try to do any outbound conference calls because that was a bit difficult last time. And it can get expensive if you have a bunch of people doing it. Right. So if you have Skype and want to participate, let me know. You know, there's no beer requirement like last time where you had to brew your own beer. No, it's just going to be, we're going to be sitting around just talking about beer stuff. And, you know, probably we'll have a pre and post show where we're talking about TV stuff and, you know, the same thing that we do on our main pre and post show. There are several ways you can send us feedback. You can post a comment on our website, which is craftbeerradio.com. We haven't talked about Podcast Alley lately, but, of course, we haven't put a push for votes in. And, you know, we're just kind of... I don't even know where we're at. It's May. Who knows? Yeah, I saw we had eight votes or something like that. Well, thank you, you eight people who the, are 
still, um, still diligent. Diligent. I mean, the more votes, the better. Uh, at the same time, I'm pretty sure we yeah. got just about all the people we're going to get from Podcast Alley. Right. So whatever, forget about Podcast Alley. You can <laughs> sign up for our Frapper map. Well, we still we'll still read the the, the comments of Podcast Alley. So okay. Sign up for our Frapper map. That's the cool Google Maps API where you can put a little pin where you live and see have, all the craft beer radio listeners and if any of them live near you. We have 200 people on there so far, and it's growing and growing. That's it's awesome. really cool to see uh, if there's anybody who listens near you or how many people listen near you. So the U.S. map is crowded. We're going to have to start, once we start making some cash on this show, we'll have right. to like, <laughs> find dense populations of craft beer radio listeners and go out and visit them. Yeah. Right. Once once the cash starts pouring in from all our endorsement deals and, and the Nike ad. And you can always send us an email or audio comment to beer at craftbeerradio.com. I try to reply to all the emails. We got a ton of email this past week. Yeah, we And I think I replied to everyone. If I didn't, yell at me and I'll give you a personal apology. If he can hear you. Yeah. We, had, and we got a bunch of emails. But we have a couple here that we picked out for show perusal. So let's begin. Dave from Boston says he's a longtime podcast listener, but never for what has become his biggest hobby, that is beer. He went from knowing nothing about beer in November to stopping at every liquor store to see check out the beer selection. As for the show, I love the test tasting session you guys have, especially that you mix the classics, Cool Garden with American craft beers. Well, thank you. We really do appreciate the compliments. And like we say, we're doing it for you guys. Just wanted to know if we might be able to suggest for someone like him to get to the next level of beer knowledge. To start his own, start brewing at home, or simply talk with more people about beer, and those are both very good ones. Right? Yeah, brewing your beer at home it, it takes a lot of effort and a lot of uh, well, don't say expense. It, it takes as much effort as you want to put into it. But it, it's you just can, it's it's easier, of course, simply talk about beer. <laughs> but if you sure. want to get into the process of learning about beer, I, I don't want to discourage you. You know, if you start home brewing and you take it seriously, you're going to learn more about beer. Yeah. And that's a very good way to do it. It's a fun hobby. If it's for you, then it's going to be a lifelong hobby, and you're going to learn tons about beer. From there, you can do the BJCP thing like I did. And, and just in those training classes, you'll have your eyes open to a whole other echelon of, of beer knowledge. I would suggest listening to podcasts like ours because that's our goal, just mm-hmm. to educate people about beer. And there are other podcasts, too, that uh, Basic Brewing Radio, uh, Pacific Brew News, Right, so some really good podcasts out there, and and some that you know tend to be more on the entertainment side, like the Beer Report, a good uh, beer show, good beer show that'll give you even more knowledge. And there's that new podcast that, speaking of beer, I haven't seen that one. It's um, it's an interesting one. He has a lot of technical details in it, which is good, but then he goes and breaks down the beer by price per ounce and and <laughs> um, uh, how much alcohol you get per dollar, which seems count like that's not what we're yeah, about here. Yeah. So. That's part kind of rubs me the wrong way. That's uh, speaking about beer. You can search for that and find it. Paul from Alaska says, Hey, guys, great show. Keep up the good work. I'm listening to your show out here at work on a fishing boat in the Bering Sea. That's mm. awesome. It's really helping keep his sanity. Your description of the tastes and textures of the beers you taste really make me look forward to getting back to town and tracking down some of the Connor or Hair of the Dog. Yeah. I'm, See, now I'm picturing this guy with his iPod in his ears throwing these crab cages over the side, right? <laughs> and he's going to be distracted thinking about a beer we're drinking and get wrapped up in the cord. I feel horrible. I wish I could get some of the Connor hair of the dog right now. Mike Budzinski sent us a donation. So thank you very much, Mike. Thanks, it's much Mike. much appreciated. And then he heard the Extreme Beer Show and demanded his money back. <laughs> I mean, we didn't give it to him. 
No, we refused because it was extreme. Yeah, because you got to appreciate the extreme show because it's extreme. Anyway, Bob from the Diamond Knot Brewery in Washington listens to this show. Wanted to let us know that they are having a grand opening to introduce the new facility to the public on Saturday, May 13th. Well, <laughs> oh, oh, well. Oh, I should have. Yeah, I better edit quickly. <laughs> Oh, I thought there was going to be some time to spare. I guess I need to look at the calendar a little more closely. Because right now is the 11th. Yeah. And uh, I might get this out the evening of the 13th. Maybe. Sorry, Bob. <laughs> but hey, check out Diamond Knot Brewery anyway. They're in Washington, and they've been around for a while. I don't know of their beers with first-hand experience. But hey, if they listen to our show, they must know how to, know, know how to make some good beer, right? Right. That's what you hope. <laughs> Alexander, or ALX, from Montreal wrote in. He uh, had some comments about Unibrew from our yeah. Unibrew show. Since he lives in Montreal, he uh, knows a lot about the brewery. We were wondering about how where the end of the world came from. The name, the end of the world. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of an interesting little story. La fin du monde. Which means the end of the world. Right. Unibrew partner and Quebec celebrity, Robert Charlebois. That sounds about right got upset when he heard that the marketing department didn't have a name for the beer. People tried to reason with him, saying this wasn't the end of the world, and he reacted by saying, yes, it is. <laughs> there you go. In the show, I also mentioned Ale on Lees. I think when Unibrew says that, they yeah. mean bottle-conditioned beer, and Alexander, uh, Alexander confirms that, yes, it does. Unibrew uses a separate yeast for bottling. Apparently, it's one with very high flocculation characteristics. Because of this, it's been rather hard to isolate the Unibrew yeast. As rumors go, why yeast's Canadian-Belgian yeast is in fact the Unibrew yeast. Now, flocculation means... it After it's quickly. done fermenting, it drops and settles to the bottom. It okay. really drops out of the beer really clear. So, like, lager yeast is typically high flock because mm-hmm. it drops out, especially when it's being lagered. It chills okay. and it all falls down. Dave Dixon tells us about the 5th Annual Virginia Beer Festival, Saturday, May 13th. <laughs> I gotta look at the calendar. So, <laughs> Rick from Big Foamy Head, another another beer podcast. Podcast yep. we should mention Big Foamy Head beer and barbecue. Uh, jogs in memory. Gamut the kite. Right. The word gamut the kite. Gamut the kite. Okay. There was a word I was trying to remember last week, last show about um, like fellowship and in, in a bar type thing. And the quote he found for gemutlichite, Daryl Richmond says in his Bach book, provides the extra gemutlichite needed for to endure cold, short, gray days. Josh uh, from Portland writes in, I know that a pilsner is a type of lager, mm-hmm. but why are some lagers called pilsners and others just lagers? Does it have to do with the malt and yeast used? I know that it has to be lager yeast, but I notice that even yeast I get from the homebrew shop are labeled pils or lager. Or perhaps the amount of IBUs. Mm-hmm. Would something like Heineken or Stella Artois be considered Pilsner or just a lager? Why? I'm sorry for so many questions, but it just has been bugging me for a while. Well, we're happy to answer your question. Now, you can probably give a better answer than so I So on the can. next sheet, I, I printed out some of the characteristics of different um, light lager styles. Well, in basic, the, the basic answer is that a Pilsner is a type of lager. Like you said, the same way that uh, a cube is a type of rectangle. Right, where all cubes are rectangles, but not all rectangles can right. be cubes. And so all pilsners are lagers. So some of the characteristics that make a pilsner a pilsner is it, it's a light, clear beer. It is hoppier 
than the other light clear beers mm-hmm. some of the other styles are a, a munich hellas which you were talking about the pre-show you had a hellas yeah. there's a dortmunder there's even the uh america the premium american lager which is pretty close to a lot of the beers we're gonna be having mm-hmm. today especially the european light beers so i have five beers here i have the bohemian pilsner which is the czech czech republic one so that's the one that was first brewed in pilsen okay got the bavarian pilsner which is the german pilsner got the munich hellas which is another Munich beer or German beer. And then the, the Dortmunder, which is a, a third German beer. So for the Bohemian Pilsner for Roma, we're just going to go through these, try to go through them quick and not be too boring. It says the Bohemian Pilsner rich with complex malt and spicy floral Zotz hop bouquet. Some diacetyl is acceptable. So that one has a lot of hops. Whereas the Hellas grain and sweet clean malt aromas predominate. May also have a light, noble hop aroma, but it should just be a supporting aroma. For the premium American lager, which things like um, what the, what the Heineken probably be fall best into that category. Mm-hmm. Low to medium malt aroma, which can be grainy, sweet, or corn-like. Hop aroma may range from very low to medium low. So you're talking about aroma-wise, big hop aroma with Pilsner. That's what you would expect out of additional pills, or be it a Bohemian or the, or the Bavarian. And then the, the similar styles, like the Hellas. The Hellas was actually created by Spaten to compete with the Pilsner-style beers. And it's a sweeter version. Yeah. It's more multi version, less hoppy. Dortmunder is very similar. It has um, low to medium hop aroma with moderate malt aroma. And for the flavors, I don't want to waste too much time, but they're, they're all pretty similar where... The Pilsners are hoppy, hoppier and crisper. The Hellas's, the Dortmunders are more malty, but still can be pretty dry. And then the, the American, American Lager is, is mostly crisp and dry. The, the, the flavor is, is is not as high as highly pronounced. It's mostly about a clean finish. Right. And really, you know, to to to, to break it all down, what what this really means is that Pilsners, like we say, are going are going to be the hoppier end of the clear, clean lager family and but the the reason why you see some beers that aren't pilsners labeled as pilsners it's mostly a marketing thing right like pen pilsner Mm -hmm. not really a pilsner right uh but a a good example is that i think um like michelob labels themselves as a pilsner i believe or or budweiser may even label themselves as as a true pilsner beer i think they do and obviously they're not They, they don't have any of the hop presence that, that a pilsner should have and they don't even have have the malt backbone that that you would expect a pilsner to have it's mostly a marketing thing because it sounds better than just lager. sounds like a fancy german yeah. beer and also i think that a lot of and this may be wrong but i believe that a lot of the recipes uh sort of came down from the pilsner family and were then altered yeah i mean you got to think back in the day beer styles all came from the local uh, environment. Pilsners were able to be brewed in Pilsen because the water was so soft. Mm-hmm. Soft water allows you to has the right pH so you can get the right mash pH with lighter grains. Mm-hmm. When you have harder water, you need darker grains to get the right mash pH to, to do the, all the, the enzymatic reactions. So that's why, that's why stouts are known from Ireland. Very hard water. So you put all that, you have to put all that chocolate malt in to get the pH in the right place. And uh, so it's it's very interesting how the hardness of the water defines what styles of beers came from what places in the world. 
Interesting stuff. So we hope that answers your question. If it doesn't, send us another email and we'll try to clarify. In beer news. Very important piece of beer news here. Don't drink in Mo. Ohio man was ticketed for driving a lawnmower while intoxicated. That's absurd. You can't drink and mow now? I mean, doesn't that remove the whole point of a lawnmower beer? (laughs) (laughs) I suppose. Let's get on to some real beer news. Okay. Anheuser-Busch, will they buy Rolling Rock? We talked a couple weeks ago where Sam Adams could possibly Mm -hmm. be in the market to buy Rolling Rock for capacity. And now it looks like Anheuser-Busch might pick them up for their stable of beers. So if Sam Adams buys them, they probably wouldn't continue the Rolling Rock line, except for... On a smaller scale, they probably do it. You never know. I mean, Jim Cook's a business guy, too. He has the market share of Rolling Rock. He probably wouldn't throw it out the window. So, Anheuser-Busch is certainly buying it just to add it to their stable of beers. Yeah, I'd expect Jim Cook to maybe try to improve it a bit. Maybe. I think you're buying that just for the volume and the revenue. Perhaps, but But, there's uh, more of a chance of Jim Cook doing the Anheuser-Busch, I think. Oh, absolutely. Flying Dog buys Frederick Brewing Company. Again? Wasn't Frederick bought by somebody else? Frederick was... um, Or did they buy somebody else? No, Thirsty Dog was being brewed by Frederick. Okay, okay. (laughs) So much stuff going on with the Frederick... Thirsty Dog uh, closed last year, and they won the gold medal for the Imperial Stout, and it was being brewed by Frederick. And now Flying Dog out of Denver bought Frederick Brewing Company. Actually, they bought assets in Schneider International Brewing Company in Cleveland, who owns Frederick, the Frederick, Maryland Brewery. Frederick is going to continue to produce 25,000 barrels of its Wild Goose and Blue Ridge beers. Flying Dog expects production of Flying Dog beers to reach 45,000 to 50,000 barrels a year. What was the Frederick one that we really enjoyed? Well, that Blue Ridge Mountain Stout was really good. I think that was the one, yeah. And uh, there was a couple other ones we had from Frederick that weren't too bad. That That Wild Goose wasn't that exciting though I, uh, from what i remember i forget which one we i had. seem to remember flying dog making some good stuff they're ones with the crazy labels right yeah they, the like the abstract type yeah labels yeah. yeah they had the gonzo imperial porter right yeah okay and but some of that's that was a special beer actually it's so popular i think they might be brewing it kind of regularly now <laughs> but um they make some other good beers too i apologize to flying dogs because we, we drink so many beers it's hard to remember every single one of them <laughs> Legacy gears up for a new brewery. Legacy Brewing Company in Reading, Pennsylvania is seeking funding for a $1.9 million finance construction for a new 10,000-square-foot brewery. Hmm. So that'll be news for all our friends just outside of Philly over there. Drink beer, win fabulous prizes during American Craft Beer Week, which is the 15th and 21st. So this one, I'll get this one out in time for this. Uh, legal drinking age adults can win valuable prizes, including a trip to the 25th Great American Beer Festival in Denver, Colorado, this September, just by visiting breweries. Here's how it works. To participate, visit breweries between Monday, May 15th and Sunday, May 21st. You can visit as many breweries as you like and as many states as you like in pursuit of prizes. How do you, you, get, you get points you for each You collect points. Point. I see you collect so points. If you go to any brewery, you get one point. If you got to get it signed by the owner or the brewer or something. You get a beer passport. You can print off the beertown.org website. Mm-hmm. Uh, two points if it's a Brewers Association brewery. And three points if you are a American Home Brewers Association member. And, and if you... Some of the... Pri- excuse me. Some of the prizes were if you get 10 points, 10 points, they'll send you two glass pint glasses for the great for the American Beer Tour. So is it... You have to... If you accumulate the most points, you get in? 
No, no. If you just, if you accumulate ten, a, a single you, point gives you one entry. Is that how it works? No. If you get ten points on your passport, you're they'll send you two pint glasses. Okay. And then it goes up from there. And if no, you but I'm a, saying in order to win, in order to get the two tickets, the trip. The trip. Yeah. It's I. That one might be a, a, a drawing. Yeah, I, or, I would have to think that. Or it could be an obscene number of points, and everyone who gets an obscene number of points can go to the beer festival. Because that seems like that—that's really biased. I mean, the people who happen to live, like say, in Seattle or say, you know, in Oregon, have a much better chance of seeing a lot more breweries than say somebody lives in Florida. Well, they got to go on vacation during that week somewhere that's good, I suppose. And you need to sign up for the American Homebrewers Association so you can triple your point scores. Stone Brewing Company liberates one of Anheuser Busch's finest. Uh, this news was floating around last week. Most people probably have seen it. It was on Beer Advocate and many of the beer sites. But Stone Brewing Company picked up assistant brewmaster Mitch Steele. He's been working in the small batch division of Anheuser-Busch making mm-hmm. some of the specialty beers. And uh, he'll be working at Stone. Apparently, um, Lee... What's Lee's last name? The brewer at Stone, Left Stone. He's opening a Belgian beer bar in... in Really? San Diego or Los Angeles, yeah. Also, well, maybe there maybe, was a. <laughs> you know my opinion of Stone. Maybe hiring somebody who's into lighter beers would actually lighten up some of their <laughs> their repertoire. That's Greg's dream. Actually, um, <laughs> did you you were in Japan? You might have missed this. I didn't write anything down. There was a thing on Beer Advocate last week where there was a small experimental tasting where Anheuser. You know, the, we've had the Anheuser Busch specialty uh-huh. beers. Anheuser-Busch had an invite-only thing where Todd went to it and some beer writers and stuff. They were making real craft beer. Like, uh-huh. honest to goodness, really damn good beer. Anheuser-Busch. So... Uh, we always said it was possible. We always said that... Uh, but know, they're actually doing it. They make sing- they're making these single batches to experiment around. So yeah. around the corner... You know, how far down the road is it before those become the se- the specialty beers? Uh, you know, Like you said, we always said it was... Not only was it possible, but you know, they certainly had... A the, um, the 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 marketing and ingredients power, and B the the knowledge and 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 uh, obviously no power, no right. know how to do that. So I was just surprised that there's enough market pressure. That's the key for them. Is there enough market pressure, profitability behind it to do it? Yeah. And I was just surprised. Well, the time has come where Anheuser Busch is making some kick-ass beers, <laughs> and that's what the, from the reviews from what I was reading, they were some kick-ass beers. Yeah. Where you know the the wheat was okay, and well, actually the 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 winter one was okay, and the wheat was I didn't like the wheat at all, but um, apparently these were good. Remember, this can only be a good thing. It's it's it to me, it's not a bad thing if Anheuser Busch makes bad makes great beer because it's not going to push people out of the market. The, the people start to appreciate really great beer, then they're not going to sit and just have one type I, of great yep, beer. Exactly. Okay, what beer am I? It was a tough one last time. We only had two people who got the answer right. Intern Scott got it, and um, I think his name is Dave, but D.K. Taylor got it right. The answer was Rodenbach Alexander. This week's one's a little bit easier, so give it a try. They're from Intern Scott. I am an IPA made with 20% rye malt. I am made by a brewery who is named after a state flag with a large mammal on it. Ooh, it must be Keystone, right? Must be. Because there's horses on the Pennsylvania flag. There you go. My brewery is rated in the top 30 at RateBeer.com. The people at my brewery love auto racing and even named a couple of my brothers after cars. Vroom, vroom, everybody. 
So if you have a guest, you can send it to beer at craftbeerradio.com. On to our beer of the night, the light American lager. I printed out the spec sheet on this because, well, it's almost, it's almost entertaining here. Aroma. <laughs> Little to no malt aroma. Although it can be grainy, sweet, or corn-like if present. Mm. Hop aroma may range from none to light. Spicy floral hop presence. Low levels of, low levels of yeast character. Green apples, DMS, or fruitiness are optional but acceptable. Flavor, crisp and dry flavor with some low levels of sweetness. Hop flavor ranges from none to low levels. <laughs> Hop bitterness is at a low level. Balance may be from slightly malty to slightly bitter. <laughs> so basically, just barely I flavorable. Mean, you know, that's the point. Like we explained with the Pilsner thing, the American lager, the idea is to be very crisp and clean and dry. It's It's meant to be... Uh, it's meant to have very little flavor one way or the other. It, it's it's designed to be a drinking beer as opposed to a flavor beer. It's a vehicle for the alcohol. Right. But we're tasting these tonight to see if any of them are worthwhile. And, you know, frankly, there are times when a drinking beer is nice. So we're going to go get the first beer and give it a try. We'll be right back. Now, you may notice us a little couple pauses now and then because we are pulling these right out of the refrigerator. They are best... Cold. Served cold, so we're gonna can't pull them all out right now and let them warm up. So Sam Adams Light. This is our first beer of the night. Sam Adams Light, a light lager brewed year round, four percent from the Boston Beer Company in Boston, Massachusetts. It pours a uh, you know a, a a slight tan with a lot uh, more color than you would expect. That's right, for sure from a light lager, certainly, and uh, it's got a reasonable head that's sticking around with it. It it very reminiscent of like apple juice, like a, a darker colored mm. apple juice. And mostly what you what you spell is a, a kind of wheat, just just a, a, a bare kind of wheatness or something like that. I'd say wheat. Mm, I don't know if I'm really getting wheat. It's That's a, the it's first a pretty, thing I got was a, it was a very dry wheat aroma. I'm getting some. I mean, I'm getting some of the aroma that you get from Sam Adams. Some of that Vienna malt, mm-hmm. a little bit of a. A ro- caramelly to it, nice clean aroma, and there's a little bit of, just tiny bit of hops there to balance it out. Too. That was you know now that I smell this more. Like I said, the first thing was that wheatness, but now I smell more of what you're smelling. Well, the mouthfeel seems really empty. First off, compared to what we're used to drinking, yeah, it is. Again, these are not. We we can't really compare these on the same scale because. They are very – it's a very different beer brewed for very different purpose. Right. So we have to sort of brew the you know, judges on their own, on their own merits. It does have some of that, that Vienna malt in it mm-hmm. though, which is nice. You would not expect it in light beer. Yeah, this is not – it's not going down straight like water. It's, there, there's some flavor there that's catching a little bit. But again, very dry finish mm-hmm. and, and, and very little remaining flavor – and bitterness. Interesting. <laughs> it's uh, it's not bad at all. Yeah, it, it, it's not. And it, color us a bit surprised, I guess. That the first one is is not you know immediately spitting it out because I think some of us are used to going to a party and they have a whole keg of Miller Lite or something there. Right. You just drink that. You're like, no, this isn't bad at all. I'm trying to think of a situation where I would actually drink it though, and you know, no place is going to have Sam Adams Light and not Sam Adams, and I think I'd still yeah. rather drink Sam Adams. I wonder what the calorie difference is because 
my philosophy is I'm going to enjoy my beer and I'll trim calories elsewhere, right? Right. If I want to lose weight. Um, but this could actually be a reasonable alternative if I needed to cut calories bad enough that I had to take it out of the beer, too. It, it has, you know, it does have its merits. You know, maybe, let's say, you're... You're dating someone, and she wants to drink the same beer you do, but she doesn't like much beer. But she like lights. She likes light beer. Grab a case of this, and you can have it in the house. And that's a scenario I can think of where you okay. might. She wants to drink the same beer as you, <laughs> I, I don't, I, or, or maybe you want to save some money. Getting a little more hops in the aroma now. Zops, or not? Not really zops, but um, pearl. Pearl, maybe. It's a noble hop. I, I'm still trying to to get my hops down. I was trying to do some of that in Japan and trying to identify some of the hops, and it was tough. You know, this doesn't really have a metallic twang. Like I thought the, I noted some at the very first sip, but the second sip I didn't notice it. I don't really notice it. This is very, you know, it's finishing very, uh, very cleanly. It has a finish that is reminds me of a beer that we had not too long ago. What was it? Was one of the was one of the my box we had? Was no, the, was the the non my box my box? No, I'm not sure. Yeah, this is a surprise. Uh, <laughs> I hope they're all this good tonight. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's good to start out with a good one. Yeah, so you can really poop on the rest of them. <laughs> It's uh you know it's it's setting the, the the benchmark pretty high for what we'd expect out of these beers. Yeah. I think I was just thinking you know you've seen that same Adams Light commercial for a couple of years now yeah. and I've never get much credit you know it just seemed like more marketing speak but I mean some of the stuff that Jim says he's, he set out to do in the commercial he he did it's more it's more of a um, testament to what he did than yeah. just marketing stuff. It, re- it reminds me of Diet Dr Pepper. You, know, you taste that it does taste like Diet like, like regular Dr Pepper. You don't taste the uh, the NutraSweet so much. In this one, you don't taste the, the – I mean, you taste it. I mean, it's there. It's obviously mm-hmm. different from the regular Sam Adams, but it's not completely devoid of flavor. I mean, it doesn't taste like a watered-down version of Sam Adams. I'm near the end of the beer now, and I have a lot of residual flavors you know, accumulated in my mouth. It's not like it, it finishes and goes away and it's mm-hmm. gone. It's sitting here and it's floating around my mouth, and you know, I'm still salivating even though I'm not drinking beer, so it – Certainly has a presence. It's not like it's just water where it's gone. When it's gone, it's right. gone. And a good example of a beer like that is Coors Light, where there's right, there's nothing left once you drink that. Okay. Wow, that was uh, that was interesting. Go Sam Adams. <laughs> Let's go get the next beer. Next beer. Next beer is the Bex Premier Light. And it comes in a green Bex bottle. A green bottle, which you always got to be worried about. Now you hope that since the hops are going to be so light in these beers, that hopefully it shouldn't be too skunk. Yeah. Do yeah. you smell anything? <laughs> Just give me a, sm- a little smirk. That's never a good sign. It could be um, other things other okay. than the skunk. It All could right, be some. To... Could be some DMS or something too. Smell a little vegetable-y as well. Oof. <laughs> Okay, so um, this is a very, very clear uh, light. It, it, it's extremely clear. It, it, it's um, it's um, <laughs> okay. So we got the SRM scale, right? Where yeah. um, this is like a two or three on the SRM scale. SRM scale. It's the color scale for beer. Where you're talking about 
say a, a, a brown ale would be in the 30s, I think. Okay. So This is an extremely pale beer. Like a Pilsner would be like a 7, a good golden Pilsner. And this is like a 2. Now, that aroma... There's all kinds of funk in the aroma. <laughs> Gosh. Now, like I say, it comes in a green bottle, so it could very well be you know, skunked to high heaven. And you got to be worried about that with beers that come in green bottles. It's that European flavor. But man, it smells very, very skunky. I got an email from Alexander. The beginning of the email he sent me is like, you know, we seem to say everything's skunked. And he's wondering if we're just not developed enough and if we're not picking up oxidation or, you know, other off flavors. So that's why I'm trying to see if I'm getting some cardboard oxidation here or cooked vegetables, which would be DMS. <laughs> Alexander, I wish we had smell-o-vision on this because mm-hmm. you'd, you'd agree this is, this is smelling pretty I think there's good. some DMS in here, like cooked vegetables and then some of the other flavors, like a seed wild head would be like green apples, but that's not it. I'm not getting that in here. Well, we haven't tasted it yet. I'm, I'm kind of wary. <laughs> Well, at least it doesn't have much flavor. No, it really... Instead of a bad flavor. The aroma is is really very skunky, but the flavor, there's not much to it at all. There's a slight amount of maltiness that really goes away pretty quickly, and then you're kind of left with a almost watery aftertaste. Yeah, the, the flavor is so hard to... It's like, it's almost like drinking seltzer water. <laughs> a little bit of tart seltzer water. Yeah, it does have kind of that seltzer water, you know, not even tonic water, but seltzer mm-hmm. water kind of, because it, 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 seltzer water just has a little bit of, I don't know, a little bit of extra flavor to it, just a tight, slight bit, and this yeah. has that same kind of extra back flavor. It hits you in the back of your tongue just barely, and that's it. It's weird because it, it, it smells really pretty bad. Frankly, and it it doesn't taste as bad as it smells. I should have put these in frosted glasses. <laughs> I should have froze the glasses. I went to the Elephant and Castle for dinner the other night, and they got decent beer now. A couple good micros. So I ordered the first beer, and I told the bartender was waiting on me. So I'm like, make sure it's in a room temperature glass. And he takes my second order, and I I didn't think I had to yeah. tell him. So he pours me a beer out of a frosted glass. Uh-huh. I'm like. No, sorry, I need it in a room temperature. No, the one in a room temperature glass, just like the last one. So I'm just like, uh, just, some people just don't get it. You and he was talking, that- he's, I was wearing a dogfish head shirt. And he's like, you, oh yeah, they make some good beer. They make that the barley wine. That's different than beer, right? And I'm like, no, it's just a style of beer. It's high in alcohol. It's like, I thought it was so strong, they had to call it barley wine. I'm like, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> it's like, you, you ever had any victory? I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, I love the Golden Monkey. That's my favorite beer. So It's a beer? Yeah, <laughs> that's a, he, I guess he likes Belgians. Yeah, he could. I'm like, if you like Golden Monkey, that's that's not bad. But yeah. you know, how many other triples have you had? <laughs> Probably not very many. So I find that people like that tend to think that gold. I, I think they they look at Golden Monkey and they say, "This is not dark, so it must be good." Well, then there's the people also who find one beer that they like. Uh-huh. Do they go out and find similar beers? No, they just stick with what they yeah. found. So that's why they should be listening to us. So they are tempted to try new things. I, I still and, and not the Beck's premiere. I, yeah, this is. We wouldn't be recommending this one, I think, just because it really, it, it's it's pretty bland and tasteless, and you don't really want that in a beer. You want but it is tasteless. tasteless enough that we don't have to pour it out. 
Yeah, it's tasteless enough that the skunkiness, even though it's there in the aroma, it's it's, it's just not there in the flavor. I mean, we've poured out beers because we couldn't drink them. This one's drinkable because there's hardly any flavor. Um, I'm trying to think how this compares to Michelob Ultra. I've only had a sip of Michelob Ultra. My dad seems to like it for some mm-hmm. reason because it doesn't have much flavor. And uh, it, this color is very similar. Right. Michelob Ultra is almost this clear. Now, you know, they do manage to stick, what, probably 3 to 4% alcohol in this without much flavor at all. You certainly don't detect flavors or the alcohol. The carbonation is probably hiding that. Yeah, it's pretty so, highly I mean, carbonated. That's one of the premier reasons you see people, you know, premier light, haha. That's one of the premier reasons you see people drinking light beers is because, you know, they, they get alcohol without much of anything else. Mm-hmm. So um, that was certainly interesting how the beer had so much <laughs> bad aroma, mm-hmm. but didn't carry over to the flavor at all. That's when you're supposed to drink out of the bottle. <laughs> really? When we drink out of the bottle, you got such a small opening yeah. that you don't get the you aromas. Don't get the aroma at all. So we should have drank it straight from the bottle. That's true. We well, we didn't have enough bottles for that, I guess. I know. We could have took turns sharing. <laughs> we are drinking these out of pint glasses, we should say. That was Beck's Premier Light, our next beer. Heineken Premium Light. Okay. We're back with Heineken Premium Light and a full disclosure. We were sent these by Heineken. The like the marketing company in the right. United States for mm-hmm. Heineken send us this beer to give us give it a try. And actually, that's the reason we did a craft light beer show so we could fit this in. We told him we'd review this beer honestly, just like every other beer that we do. The, the first strike against it is it comes in a green bottle. But these probably aren't light struck because it came in this <laughs> bomb proof container. Yeah, like this metal wine thing with a shoulder strap, this steel box. There'll be pictures of it on the website. It's uh, a quite interesting container for the beer. You know, if, if they all came in that, then then we could assure you that this beer wouldn't be light struck. And you know, it's not. It's no, not. it has a nice noble hop aroma to yeah. it. That's for sure. Which is interesting. <laughs> it has a noble hop aroma and a little bit of grainness. Now, one of the things they mentioned in in they they have a disc that came with it with a whole bunch of marketing material, uh, and they talk about a horizontal fermentation method. Now. I assume what that means is you have more yeast on more on you know less volume of water because it's it's done instead of vertical fermentation. So that could possibly help in the lagering because it doesn't take as long for the yeast to flock to the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you're thinking like you know long shallow fermenters. This one is a little bit darker, a little bit darker than the Vex, but not by much. Yeah. Nice aroma. So if you can get this thing in your shorts, not light struck, that's good. But with a green bottle, if it's on a shelf somewhere, it's yeah. not, probably not going to hold up very long. Because there is a f- lot of hop aroma for a light beer, that's for sure. has a bit of a pilsner taste to it, but it, it's very light. It's very feel. light, and it goes away quickly. Yeah. Um, and there's a little bit of... Let me try this again. Again, initial flavor... Kind of, you know, a, a good bit of, well, not a good bit, but enough of hoppiness to really identify it. Then it fades away into this kind of almost sort of watery. Clean, crisp taste with no aftertaste? Dryness that doesn't, doesn't fit as well as one would hope. And the more I taste it, the more that hoppiness is fading. I'm just sort of tasting kind of a... Mm, What's the best way to put it? A, a, a ricey flavor, almost. 
I mean, I don't know if they use any adjuncts or not. I Actually, I would doubt that they use adjuncts. But, of course, all the information here is, is all marketing speak. <laughs> except for the it's, whole... It's not finishing as, also as, as crisp as I think uh, some of the other ones have. I think the best thing this beer has going for it is it is significantly hoppy for mm-hmm. for a light mm-hmm. beer. And there's a hoppy flavor again. So it's still there when you first taste it. It goes away pretty quickly, though, and I think that's just because it's a light beer. Yeah, I mean, I'd say this beer could definitely benefit from using more mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. But with more mouthfeel, you get more calories, right? right? So Yeah, I mean, it, it, it could also benefit from having more of a, of a malt flavor like the Sam Adams. And just to, it's kind to of a different it. story. That that's almost like a light Vienna lager yeah. or something, where this is a lot more pilsner esque. True. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you look at it that way, uh, this is trying to be a really light pilsner, and, and yeah, the Sam Adams is trying to be a light Vienna. It's not horrible. It's not you know like a, a, a terrible beer. Fighting. No, it was delivered in good shape. It, yeah. it tastes decent. It's. Um, Better than the Becks. Not as good as the same Adam so far. I, I, I you know, it, I, I guess it, it's probably a little bit more flavorful than I was expecting. Yeah, it's certainly better than I was expecting. Oh, so that's stunning. Now, how good it is in the scheme of things, you know, if you're drinking light beers, I guess you can give it a try. But um, I think it's a bit too watery for my taste near the end. It just, yeah, it, it doesn't have the, the the crispness that I would want out of. Something along these lines. Yeah, I mean, you know, most of my our philosophy is flavor first, but you know, calories first makes you know <laughs> yeah. almost no sense. So, yeah, Sam Adams is able to pull off a decent drinking beer. This one's not quite as good because it does finish very, very empty in the end. But it is a well crafted beer for what it is. I mean, there's no off bad flavors mm-hmm. to it. Like I said, it'll skunk really fast in this green bottle. Yeah. I mean, if you pick it up at a bottle shop, you're very likely to get it skunked. If you pick it up in boxes... In cases. In yeah. cases, you'll you'll have a probably better time with it. Unless you go to a bottle shop that has really good shielding. And if you go to a place like that, they'll probably have a more interesting selection of beers available for you. Yeah, I mean, you're, walk, you're working your way down to, okay, in which situ- situation would you choose this beer over other beers that are available? And... It, it, for me, it's a very narrow window. Yeah. Um, actually, it's almost a non-existent window because I typically don't drink unless I'm getting a beer that I really enjoy. So, you know, one thing we should mention is the Beck's Premier Light. After we were done drinking it, we kind of got this kind of pasty taste in our mouth. Uh, fortunately, the Heineken doesn't do the same thing. <laughs> that Beck's Premier Light was really pretty bad. <laughs> Sorry, Beck's. Okay, well, thank you, Heineken, for sending us this beer. It was better than we expected. Um, I don't know. I don't want that to sound mean. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, if you look at the beers we normally drink, you know, Heineken is nowhere in the range of the beers we normally drink. Right. And, you know, I've had regular Heineken before, and, I mean, unless you're drinking the cra- stuff from the can, it it's always skunked. Yeah. It, it's always skunked. So. We, we yeah, you fully expect that to be the case with the... Light beer, but again, much like the Beck's Premier Light, although this is hoppier, so with the Beck's Premier Light, it was skunked, but you couldn't really taste it with this one. Yeah, the, the, the hoppiness was a nice, it was the enjoyable thing for us. Okay, let's go get the next beer. Okay, the next beer is Amstel Light. 
So, like we said, Amstel Light, this is a 3.5% alcohol by volume beer. It's uh, fortunately in a brown bottle. They at least know how to package it well. About the same color as the Heineken, with a slightly larger head. And these are all kind of, you know, very uh, light foamy heads. Yeah. Amazingly clear beers. <laughs> Every last one of them. Getting a little bit of DMS in this yeah. one. That's what you're getting there. That's a little bit of cooked vegetable. And in these light malts, especially with the Pilsner malt, that's an acceptable aroma. And that's the main that's the main aroma compound I'm getting here in the aroma is DMS. It's not skunky. You know, Greg looked at me like, what's that smell? Is that bad? And, you know, DMS in a lot of styles can be bad, but this amount of level in this style of beer is okay. It has, you know, it, it's a, it's an aroma that kind of resembles a skunkiness to a point. And so you kind of have to work your way through it a bit. But, yeah, it's not the same. Like, for example, the Vex one was truly skunky. That was quite a bit different than this one. A lot of carbonation. A little bit of malt, a little bit of graininess to it. And it goes away. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> this is uh, this is kind of what I was expecting for the okay. most part uh, from from most of these light beers. It's it's graininess, a slight amount of malt graininess, and then it kind of goes away very crisp. This is a much cleaner finish. I think it's probably the cleanest of all the beers. The Bex even? Cleaner than the Bex? I think so. Give it a few more. I think it's going to grow in your mouth. All right. Well, we'll we'll we'll, we'll see. Oh, I haven't been coughing much. <laughs> no, you haven't. Now that you said that, you're going to start. But... <laughs> I just I felt a tickle, and I'm like... Well, we're drinking this beer. I guess we can get off topic just a tiny bit. I love my new house. I love having <laughs> beer fridge and then my beer cellar. Instead uh-huh. of having everything packed in crates, cases, and all stacked on top of each other with no accessibility. Now I can just look and say, what beer do I want to have now? It's <laughs> so cool. That is nice. Uh I, I think I drink more beer than you do. Just you know, mm-hmm. when I'm at home, like because the the the, the, bottle, the the place where I buy the stuff is right there, and I buy the case, and you know, I just go through it. Right. I right now have a have a heavyweight variety pack. Oh, okay, so I got stick and jab and uh, lunacy and Pecuner's hammer. Is that the imperial porter? Yeah. Imperial is imperial stout or imperial porter? Porter, yeah. And then, I haven't tried the 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 imperial porter yet. But what is the barley one? The other one in there. No, those are just the three that are in there. Oh, there's only three in there? Yeah, I okay. think. Because when I got a heavyweight variety, it was those three and then the barley wine. I think it's just those three, but I may be wrong. Anyway, I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Well, if you do end up finding some barley wine and you have a new have a newer version, I'll trade you some 2003 for okay, whatever okay. you have. And so I don't have, unless I don't have the storage space that Jeff has, so I don't really store beer so much. Yeah. I do have some leftover uh, dogfish head... Um, Imperial brown ales. Okay, so those have been sitting around. So those are maybe a little bit better. I thought it was. I mean, we, I love them, but I thought that it might benefit from a little bit of storage. It could. They got a decent enough alcohol that it could mellow up. It was seven percent or so. I don't know. That's good beer, though. I love that IBA. But back to the Amstel Light. I mean, it's it's a lot like the Bex, where is. Not much flavor to the thing. Yeah. And the other two, the, the Heineken and the Sam Adams, definitely had uh, considerably more flavor than these two. This one just sort of reminds me of, of, of Coors Light and Miller Light, those kind of light beers. There's really not much I think flavor it's to better it. than, it's definitely better than Coors Light and Miller Light. You're not getting much of the nasty flavors. 
that metally stuff. Right. You know that. Well, I mean, <laughs> better is is a scale, right? And right. how high? Well, on that? okay, you got zero, right? Yeah. Where anything in the positive numbers is positive attributes about this beer. Anything in the negative numbers is stuff that's nasty about you know bad about this beer. Right. Is there anything really bad about this beer, though? I mean, it's in good condition. There's a yeah. little bit of DNS, DMS in the aroma, but I think it's within, you know, acceptable levels. Um, I mean, so it's hovering around zero, so there's <laughs> nothing really going against it. So it's a non-offensive beer. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the Bex was definitely in the negatives, if you're looking, because there was a skunkiness to it. Um, so it certainly had flaws. But, you know, the rest of the beers really haven't had flaws tonight. I mean, big flaws. And that's what they they say about uh, lagers and, and the light ones, especially that they're they're very hard to brew because to brew them without flavor flaws is very complex. Right. I mean, well, think you know you got a beer with almost no flavor, so right. the little things are going to show yeah. up. They don't taste bad, so yeah. I guess if you're in a situation where yeah. you're at a picnic and you got a cooler full of these beers, <laughs> you know, just stay away from the green bottles. You know, th- that's a good situation where this might come up. Where let, let's say you you're making a list for a party and you have to get light beer, like for some reason, like that's the only thing most of your people who come to your party will drink, and you got to <laughs> get some sort of beer because people need beer at parties, right? Maybe you grab one of the... You See, know. I don't think I'm that considerate. I'm like, it's my way or the highway. <laughs> I'll buy you some Prima Pills. That's as light as it's going to get. I'm just trying to come up with a situation in which we'd have light beers. That's, that, that's no, not, no. I'm sure, a lot, a, I'm sure yeah. a lot of our listeners are more considerate than I am. But a situation that's not a craft beer radio <laughs> light beer show in which we'd actually have light beers... Not very often. Yeah, it's not coming to mind. This one is going to happen very often, but whatever. Okay, so that was Amstel Light. Our last final beer line. of the night. Line and Cool's Amber Light. Okay, we're here with the Line and Cool's Amber Light. This is a 4.2%. Uh, Got some info about Line and Cool's there if you want to go over it. Yeah, the Jacob Line and Cool Brewing Company, the seventh oldest brewery in the United States, is the oldest business in Chippewa Falls and the oldest in the state of Wisconsin. Our commitment and tradition of brewing quality products is matched only by the wants of generations of genuine beer-loving customers. You know, this is a darker, more like the Sam Adams than it is the other ones. Yeah, it's a little more uh, orange than the Sam Adams, but it's about the same color. It's kind of an apple juice type color. Big head, a yeah. nice foamy head on it. Hmm, that's a interesting grainy aroma, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's mostly from the malt. Um, what kind of malt is that? It smells a little bit biscuity, doesn't it? it? Does smell biscuity? It smells probably the most biscuity of any of the biscuity aromas that I've smelled. I wonder if that's Victory Malt. Not sure. That's kind of a, a guess. So uh, let me know if you have any inside information. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out. I don't have much experience with Victory. It almost malt. has a little bit of, of a burnt aroma, and I, I know they didn't burn the malt, but I, I think that's you know, one of the aspects of the aroma. Maybe a little bit of a burnt. So instead of a, a roasty or a caramel, you're talking more of a toasty. Yeah. Sure, Maillard, a runaway Maillard. <laughs> it's a different sort of malt. Uh, Earthier malt. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting flavor. There's a fair amount of flavor in the beer. Mm-hmm. It's um, difficult to describe. It's, it's an earthier malt flavor that, hmm, let's see here. 
kind of gives way to, I think, a bit of a DMS flavor, a bit of a cooked vegetable flavor. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I picked up a little bit now. And I'm wondering if I'm always detecting a little bit of diacetyl there, too, in the finish. It doesn't have a clean finish. It has another sort of wet finish. Maybe, but, I mean, it's not a lot. So, I mean, it's kind of enhanced. It's not a detriment to the beer. The, oh, man, that's a hard one to describe, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. It, it, it's it's very different. I, I'm almost I'm almost done with my sample. I'm <laughs> over halfway through it, trying to figure out what to say about it. I'm I can't even really come up with what it compares uh, to. You know, it's like like I was saying before, a, a drier, earthier, peatier malt. Right. It just doesn't it doesn't fit the same with the other malts. It does not the same kind of malt. Obviously, how does this compare to? You know what you think about like a light dunkel. A dunkel would be sweeter. Sweeter, yeah. Okay. I'm trying to think well, what kind of roast, like toasted malt that has, and what other styles we'd find it in. We should mention that the Heineken <laughs> containers came with this kick-ass bottle opener. Yes, the bottle opener is, is awesome. I've, we've been using it for weeks now to open all our beers, and it's, it's really solid. It's heavy. Yeah, and, solid, heavy piece of metal. Seeing as we can't describe this beer too well, it's time to rank. You went first last time, so I'll go first this time. Let's arrange the beers here. You're going to hear some sounds on the table as I arrange. And probably like that. And I'm not really sure about this one. Where does this one go? Uh, It goes... hmm. Oh, I forget about this one. Yeah. I think that Jeff and I are in agreement about these four, but we're just trying to place this last one. And it's yeah, that one either goes second or third. Yeah, I, I would. You know, I'm going to put it here just because I don't know if I like this or not. Okay, all right. Keep let's shed some light on the yeah. uh, the ranking, shall we? <laughs> what do I mean by my rankings when I say them? Well, number one is very clearly Sam Adams' light first beer of the night and first in our hearts. It was. <laughs> It, you know, it had the best flavor of the night. It was, it was shocking. It was not yeah. what we expected. It, it, it was so. it was something where we could actually see ourselves drinking it in in the proper situation. In the proper situation yeah. of certainly above all these other ones. The next one would be uh, Heineken because it just it, it didn't have the didn't have flaws that the other ones had, and it had a slight base. You know, slight. Uh, it, it was surprisingly yeah. good for the evening. If, for you know, from our expectations and no flaws, and I, I do think that green bottle, even though that's Heineken's trademark, is a huge problem because yeah. it most people are not going to have a Heineken that tastes like that because it's not going to be shipped in the bombproof container. Yeah, if you get a Heineken B, Heineken Premium Light, beware! It is very likely, and it's very hoppy. So yeah. imagine how skunky yeah. that thing's going to get. It, it has a very high chance of being skunked. So just be warned if you want to give this one a shot. Do your best to find one. Do some research on where it came from and how it was stored. Uh, Next would be Lining Kugels and what you're drinking right now. Just, I wasn't sure whether to put it second or third or even fourth because I really don't know about this this malt. But I figure it has some flavor to it, something. So that's better than nothing. Right. Which these last two have, and that last that second last one is Amsel Light, which had no flavor but didn't have any drawbacks to it. So Mm -hmm. then the Beck's Premier Light. 
which had uh, no flavor but had some bad aromas in a green bottle. It was yeah. skunk to high heaven. You know what? I was going to mix it up a little bit, but I think I'm going to agree with you this evening. Okay. I was going to put the Linekuls above the Heineken, but that hoppiness that was in the Heineken was rather nice. Yeah. And the maltiness that was in the Linekul was was good. But I, I think I enjoyed the the, the Zotz hops and yeah. in the, in the Heineken a little bit more. So I guess Charlie from the Heineken Marketing Company should be happy because we ranked him second and not because he came in here for free. The <laughs> Becks had the we, flaws. We, this the, the Heineken is second with a warning, though. Yeah, make sure it wasn't light struck, isn't light struck when you buy it. All right. Well, we're long, so that is it for Craft Beer Radio. Tune into the post show where we talk about Michael and what a mean person he is. <laughs> and, uh, and if you don't know what that means, tune in anyway. Yeah, and next week we'll be back with a. Let's do your oceanic beer. show tomorrow. You think next so? Week. You think you want to do that right away, or do it's you want to do that or the wheat project? Okay, we'll do a, we do oceanic. We'll do oceanic beers, beers from Japan and Australia. Absolutely. That's all for Craft Beer Radio. You can send us feedback to beer at craftbeerradio.com and feel free to send us an audio comment in MP3. The opening and closing music was Out of Towners from the band St. Dragon and was found on the Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information. Let's go.